Well, howdy. howdy. My name is Jamie Bryan. I'm uh, one of the college pastors here at Grace, and uh, I'm over missions and worship. And this being our missions emphasis week, I'm going to come up here and just share with you guys a little bit of what's on my heart with uh, what God's doing around the world and how we can be a part of it. So Acts 1, 6 through 8. Just read this real quick. So when they had come together, they asked him, Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Pray with me. Father, thanks so much for this morning. Thank you for the chance and the freedom that we have to come together and worship you, to respond to all that you are, to all that you've done, and, and to connect with you and with each other in that way as we come together and agree that these things that we're singing and saying about you are true and that they've changed our lives, they've impacted us. And God, we thank you for the way as we just sang out that you've rescued us from sin, from death. If we know you, we have been rescued from those things. We have been redeemed and we belong to you. We are your own and you have a purpose and a plan for our lives. You want to use us to shine for you, to glorify you, to make your name known on this earth. And I pray that we'd truly connect with your heart for the world and for why you created us, God. Thank you for the privilege of knowing you and making you known. I pray that that would sink into our hearts. God, remove me from the way I pray that you would speak from your word today, that you might speak through me and that you might humble us and and give us ears to hear and hearts that want to change. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I want to ask us all a question this morning as uh, as we get into this topic of missions. What comes to our minds when we think of the word missionary? What comes to our minds when we think of the word missionary? I think for a lot of us, we think of like these super spiritual people who spend maybe 20 hours of prayer a day, maybe even before 5 a.m. And and we think maybe some of us think of somebody on a street corner just yelling the gospel and shoving Bibles in people's faces. We think of all kinds of images, don't we? I think we have a lot of misconceptions when we think of that word missionary. And some, sometimes some images come to mind, don't they? We've all seen these guys at our door offering us the Book of Mormon. So we think of that. There are a lot of Mormon missionaries around. We might think of maybe some people that look like this, that dress maybe like they're fresh off the set of Little House on the Prairie. It's not to say they're bad people. They're great people. But, uh, or we might think of somebody that looks like this, a bald guy with a long orange t-shirt and a drum strapped on his back, kind of hippie looking dude in airports, you know, um, asking people for donations. You've seen him. Uh, we may think of all these different people. And I, I think it's a little bit sad that those are the images that come to our minds. I know for me, when, when I was younger and immature in my faith, I had all kinds of misconceptions about what a missionary was or what a missionary actually did. Uh, for me personally, I, I, really, I really did think missionaries were just on this different plane spiritually. They were these super spiritual people that I could probably never be like. And, and they, they lived in this different world. Honestly, I thought that some of them just couldn't get 
a normal job in the real world. And so they just went, okay, well, I'll go share Jesus because I'm just really good at that. Another misconception I had was that um, they weren't very cool. They dressed kind of like those people you saw up there. And they named their kids things like Obadiah and Jehoshaphat. I I really, I I thought this growing up and and I'm embarrassed to say it. Um, But if, if we're honest, I think we all have some sort of stigma, some sort of stereotype when we think about what a missionary is. And that's really sad. The fact is, uh, I was the one growing up in my immaturity that was out of tune with reality. It wasn't them that were out of, out of tune with reality. It was me. I had so many misunderstandings. The reality is that a missionary, missionaries, the people that I know that are overseas doing this, that are part of the Great Commission, are just like you and me. They look just like you and me. They're following after Christ just like you and me. And, and they're submitted to, to what he wants to do with their lives. The missionaries that I know are, are some of my closest friends on the field. They're the most down to earth. They're some of the coolest people I know. And they're, they're sold out for what God wants to do through them. I have so much respect for them. And I wish, I wish I'd uh, grown up with that understanding, with that reality and truth of, of who missionaries are. In fact, uh, if we are believers For believers sitting in this room today, we are all missionaries. We're all called to be missionaries. We're all called to shine the light of the gospel of the glory of our Savior in this world. We're called to be lights. Every single one of us, if we are believers, God has placed that call on our lives. He's placed a call on our lives to be globally minded, to think about the nations because he cares about the nations. And I've loved as we've been going through Acts this whole semester, we've been walking through the book of Acts, and it's just been fun to see. We've, we read in the beginning that Acts 1, 6 through 8, it's been fun to see the gospel, which started in Jerusalem with Jesus and, and just a few followers, and it grew, and it grew, and it grew. And then in Acts, Christ commissions his followers, and he says, you're going to be my witnesses, not just in Jerusalem, but throughout Judea and then throughout Samaria. And it's going to go and go and spread to the ends of the earth. And as we've been following through Acts, we've, we're actually able to trace the gospel as it moves outwardly toward the ends of the earth. And what's, what's even more exciting about that is what started then, we continue to see it today. We get to take part in the gospel continuing to go to the ends of the earth. Because there are people, there are billions of people still who have never even heard the good news of the gospel. So it is yet to reach the ends of the earth. And, and that's where we come in. That's, that's where we get the joy of seeing that happen. We've also seen in Acts that, that God is beginning a brand new work, right? He's beginning a brand new work. He's establishing his church. He's sending people out to spread this, this good news of the gospel. But it's not, it's not new to the heart of God. He's beginning a new work. He's establishing something new. He's moving in a new way. But mission is not something that's new to the heart of God. I want to challenge us this morning with this thought that mission is at the very center of God's heart. Missions, mission, however you want to call it, it's at the very center of God's heart. It's part of his DNA. It, it is what he thinks about, is what he desires, is mission. 
So how do we define God's mission? I think it's pretty simple, and I'll I'll just read this to you. I think his mission could be defined as his desire and pursuit for all peoples to know and worship him alone. His desires and his pursuit for all peoples or nations to know and worship him alone. So everything that God does in human history, he does with that end in mind. For his glory that all nations would come and worship him and know him. I think sometimes we think of God and we, we like to put him in a, in a little box, don't we? We like to think, oh, God is sovereign. No, 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 no. God is gracious. No, no, no. God is love. No, God is justice. And we all, we like to put him, we like to categorize God. We like to put him in these little boxes and sometimes the danger of that is that we, we might emphasize one attribute of God to the neglect of, of the others. And I think that if we just thought about God in terms of his mission, what he is trying to do throughout history, maybe, maybe we would have a little bit healthier view of God. So that as he acts in accordance with his mission of drawing all peoples to come to know him and worship him, then he acts according to his character. And so he reveals as he acts his sovereignty. He reveals here his love. He reveals here his justice. And we see his great character come out as he acts in accordance to his mission. So this morning, uh, that's our challenge. The mission is at the center of God's heart. I want to read you guys a couple of passages that, uh, that talk about this. First off, we see this all the way back in Genesis Genesis 12, one through three, the Lord says to Abram or Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So here is Abraham in Ur of the Chaldeans, Um, way out in the middle of nowhere in a pagan land. And God goes, I want you. I want this guy. Of all people, God chooses this really unlikely person. He goes, I want you to represent me. And and I'm going to bless you. I'm going to pull you out of this place. And I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to make your name great. And through you, I'm going to bless all nations. I love that. That encourages me so much because as a believer, as a person, like I know my own struggles and I I think oftentimes, God, why in the world would you use me of all people? Um, Paul even calls himself insignificant, chief of all sinners. Why would he use us? Because he wants to choose these weak vessels to prove how great he is, to make his name great in all the earth. And uh, you've you've read passages in the Bible um, that say things like, as sure as I live, my name will fill the earth as the, the waters cover and fill the seas. God wants to make his name known. He wants to make his name glorified in all nations, and he chooses us to do that. Again, Psalm uh, 67 says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on the earth so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. I love this passage. It's, uh, it's the reason why we ask God to bless us. We often sit around and, and, and if we're honest, most of our prayers are God Bless me, help me to do well on my test, help me to get this girl, 
help me to whatever it is, you fill in the blank. We want God to bless us, but in scripture, the only reason God wants to bless us is that so he can make his name great on all the earth, so that he can through us bless all nations. That's at his heart. And so it's all moving toward an end when, when all nations know him and worship him. And we see that great ending in Revelation 7, 9 through 10. It says, after this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. I love this passage. Uh, That is the end of all human history. It's a spoiler alert, right? It's a spoiler alert. I'm, I'm telling you how it ends. Uh, we go into movies and we want to know how it ends and, and we're waiting and waiting and waiting. The great thing about scripture is it tells us how it ends. We know what all of human history is moving toward. And so we can get on board with that. And the ending is all nations, every tribe, tongue, people, all peoples of the earth worshiping God because that is his mission throughout human history, that that would happen. And it's going to happen. And so we know how it ends. We know how it begins, that God chooses men and women to represent him, that he wants to make his name known on the earth and that it's gonna happen one day. So how how is he gonna do it? How is he gonna accomplish this purpose? I wanna encourage you that we are all created for God's mission. He invites us to be a part of his mission. And so we're created to be a part of his mission of making his name known, making his name glorified, being a blessing to all nations that they could come to know and worship him. You see that even at the beginning when we're created. God creates man in his own image. I'm reading Genesis 1, 27 through 28. It says, God creates man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. God creates us in his image. God who is above everything, who is in glory and majesty, creates us in his image to represent him on the earth because he wants to fill the earth with his glory. And so he tells us, fill the earth be fruitful and multiply, have lots of babies, and I want you to represent me on this earth because I want to fill it with my glory. I want people to look at you and I want them to see me. That's God's heart for us. We're made to reveal his glory. We're made to shine. You see it again in Psalm 8. This is one of my favorite passages in scripture. It starts out and it says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings or angels and you've crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I love this passage because it starts and it ends. Verse 1 and and the very last verse, it starts and ends with God's majesty, his glory. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, your glory in all the earth. And what's right at the very center? Humanity. We're created 
Because God wants to make his name known. He wants his name to be glorified in all the earth by all nations, by all people. And at the center of that, he chose us to do that. He says he he crowned us with glory and honor. He made us in his image to look like him so that we could fill the earth and reflect his glory. That's an encouraging thought that we are made to reveal our God. So we are created for God's mission. He wants to use us to represent him on this earth. He wants, him, he wants to make himself known and he created us to do that. And you see that not just in the here and now in the New Testament and, and afterwards, but you see it back in the Old Testament. Even in the story of Abraham, God uses Abraham. He says, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to give you a lot of descendants and I'm going to bless them. And so God chooses the Israelites to be a special people. He gives them uh, the law, he tells them how to live so that they can know how to represent their God so that when the nations look at them, they can go, they are God's people and I want to be a part of that. God uses the Israelites in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, God uses Christians or the church, all believers. He wants us to represent him. I love in Matthew 5.14, Jesus says, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. What's great about this passage is that Jesus is the light of the world. He is the light of the world. And yet he turns to his followers and he goes, you're also the light of the world. Because as my followers, I want you to reflect my light, to shine my light, to bear my glory to the rest of the world. So he turns us to his believers and says that. Elsewhere in the New Testament, Paul calls us to shine his lights on the earth. He calls us ambassadors for the gospel. He calls us ministers of the gospel, that we are taking the gospel of reconciliation through Christ to the rest of the world. We're called to represent our Savior on this earth. How many of you uh, got one of these this weekend? Your Aggie ring. A lot of you... Let's try that again. How many of you got this little thing, this Aggie ring this weekend? I want to hear some whoops. There we go. That's better. Um, I, uh, I, don't, I don't even have to ask because you guys are walking around just blinging all over the place, shining this thing everywhere. And uh, for you guys, um, you men in the room, uh, y'all are kind of like, yo, yo, check out my ring, pop. And you girls are like, hey, look at this. Isn't it so pretty? It's so cute. And They are great little things, aren't they? I mean, these things are awesome. Like you should wear them with pride and with joy, but as cool as they look, what do they represent? Yeah, they represent so much more than just a cool little gold or platinum, whatever you can get these days, um, diamond studded ring. They represent Aggieland. They represent Texas A&M. They represent pride in your school. And uh, for the rest of you, your lives, no matter where you go into the corporate world or if you're traveling overseas, you're going to connect with people and you go, hey, hey, yeah, yeah, we both have it. Look, I know you. And, uh, and, and you're going to be excited about that because for the rest of your lives, you're going to represent and bear the name of Texas A&M University. All right. Some of you have dreams of like walking into a corporate office one day with all your underlings and walking in and silence fills the room and you go, Silence. I wear the ring. (laughs) All must listen to me. And maybe that'll be you. I don't know. I hope so. But uh, (laughs) most of us, that's not the reality. Um, But guys, just like you've been given this ring 
to, to represent your school, to bear the great name of Texas A&M University wherever you go, even more so, you've been marked with the spirit of Christ in you to bear the name of your Savior wherever you go, to represent him so that when people look at you, they go, man, that person is a Christ follower. That's way more important than people recognizing us as an Aggie, isn't it? It's way more important than having a shiny ring. We want to shine the light of Christ to the world. And the spirit of Christ has been put in us so that we might do that. One of my favorite passages I've got a lot of favorite passages this morning, don't I? I get excited about this. Uh, one of my favorite passages is, is in 2 Corinthians 4, it's verse 6. And it says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I love this passage because it talks about our creator God, who's the creator of light itself, who's the creator of us, who created humanity to represent him. Even though that we've fallen, he's redeemed us, and he's put in our hearts as believers, he has placed within us the light so that we might reveal and shine the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We have become the very face of Christ to this world. How else are they going to see him if they don't see him in us? So as we bear that light, as we live for him, as we go out into the world, when they look at us, they should see the face of Christ. Again, in Philippians 2, verses 15 through 16, really like the NIV translation here, it says, you will shine among them, this crooked and perverse generation that he's been talking about in Philippians. You're going to shine among them like stars in the sky or stars in the universe as you hold firmly to the word of life. Guys, every single one of us, if we are believers in Jesus Christ, we've been created by God and we've been redeemed by God to shine his light, to shine as lights in this world. And guys, if, if mission is important to the heart of God, if it's at the very center of God's heart, and out of that, if he created us to be a part of his mission, then there is nothing that is more life-giving than engaging in God's mission. There's nothing that is more life-giving than engaging in God's mission. Guys, if the spirit of God is in you, if you're a believer, then he has placed a passion and a desire to see all nations come to himself. Many of us have, have buried that passion with all kinds of other pursuits, with, with all kinds of selfish desires, but at the core of your being as a Christian, that is there because the spirit of God is in you and God wants all nations to come to know him and worship him. So mission is life-giving. When we connect with that, it brings us joy, helps us understand God more, and it brings us life. I can just tell you personally, I've experienced that. Some of the most, uh, some of the times that I've felt most alive have been when I'm overseas sharing the gospel with people. Not that you can't experience that here as you share the gospel, as you live for him, but there are times when I've been overseas and, and all distractions have been removed from me and I'm single-minded, wholeheartedly sharing the gospel 
with others. Uh, one of my favorite experiences on the mission field, and, and there's, there's nothing that's super spiritual about me in the story. I was fresh out of college. I had graduated one day, and the next day, I went overseas on a mission trip. Um, I didn't really know at that point what I wanted to do with my life, but I knew that my job didn't start for a few months. And so I thought, hey, I've got some time free. So I heard about some of the, the trips that were here at Grace, and I went, hey, that sounds good. I, I want to see more of, of how God's moving in the world. And so I just made myself available. And it took me way across the globe um, to uh, a place uh, in Nowheresville, third world country, sharing the gospel with Muslims. And I mean, this was so primitive that we had to carry our own toilet paper in. You couldn't get things like toothpaste and stuff there. It was, you had to carry everything in. And so on this particular project, we're showing the Jesus film in this place, in their language, and trying to reach some of these uh, Muslims in this, in this remote place in the world. And we're showing the Jesus film. And I'll never forget, there was this one night we're out in the middle of nowhere. We're in this field. We crank up the generator, this gas generator, so we could show this Jesus film. And uh, over the hill, there was this base camp of, of soldiers, national soldiers living there. And we thought, you know, let's go over there and let's just invite them to come watch this film with us. And so they came, they heard, uh, they watched this film. Uh, and I got to get up and share the gospel at the end through a translator. And I'll never forget this moment, after this film is over, this soldier in full uniform comes up to me and just tears streaming down his face. He's just bawling. He is moved. And, and he comes up to me and with the help of a translator, he, he proceeds to tell me through his tears, thank you. Thank you for coming to share this with me. All my life, all my life, I knew that there was something more out there, and you've brought it to me tonight. I would have never known if you hadn't brought it to me tonight. Through his tears, he's telling me this. Grown man. And guys, I, I stood there in that field that night, and, and I just thought, man, here I am as a fresh out of college. I have no idea what I want to do with my life, but I've got to do something with that. That has changed me. And I felt so humbled and awed that God could use a broken person like me in that moment to be a bearer of his light in a dark place. That will change you forever. And I, I look back to that moment, I look back to moments like that and I go, man, I've never felt so alive. And I want that to be true of me no matter where I am, that I'm living for God's mission that I'm living for his purposes to make his glory known. And guys, when, when Christ commands us in, in Matthew 28, the great commission, he says, go therefore in all the world and make disciples of all nations. When he gives us that command, it's not a burdensome command. When he gives us the command to go into the world, or rather as we go into the world, make disciples, make my name known that is a life-giving charge that he's giving us. It's not a heavy burden. It's a life-giving charge. It is a joyous position that he is placing on us. So how can we be a part of this? How can we be a part of how God is moving, what his mission is, and knowing that we're created for that, 
How can we be a part of it? I want to challenge us all with, with a few ways to do this. Ways to get involved in God's mission. For some of you here this morning, the start of that is just going to be to believe the gospel. To believe in the offer that Jesus Christ gives each and every one of us. That offer is that even though we're all sinners, even though we've all fallen short of his glory, God sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross in our place and that he was raised from the dead and he offers us eternal life as a free gift if we simply believe him for it, if we just accept it in faith. And so for some of you, if you've never done that, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ alone, that is the start of this all for you. That is the way to get involved in God's mission. For those of us who know God, for those of us who have a relationship with Christ, uh, there are so many ways that we can get involved. And I'm going to give you three, okay? They're really simple. First off is that we can pray. There are so many needs throughout the world that we can pray for. Ways that we can pray. We can pray for those who are already on the mission field, sharing the gospel, giving their lives for the cause of Christ. We can pray for them that God would strengthen them and embolden them with the truth. We can pray for the poor and the powerless in societies. We can pray for those who are hurting, that God would bring hope and he would bring justice into their situation. We can pray for the gospel to go to those who have never heard. Guys, there are billions who've never heard the truth. And uh, we can be informed about that. There's a great website called uh, Joshua Project, www.joshuaproject.net. If you want to begin praying for the nations, praying for people who haven't heard, this is a great resource. It'll even give you like specific little prayer cards with prayer requests for different people groups that, that you've never heard of, ways that you can be praying for them. Pray for persecuted believers around the world. We have it so good here, and often we forget that. But there are people, men and women, who die daily for the cause of Christ. We can be informed. Uh, There are some great resources. One of my favorites is persecution.com, Voice of the Martyrs. If you go to this site, it will give you all kinds of ways that you can be praying for the persecuted church, for people who can't gather freely like we can this morning, for people who will risk their lives to even come together and sing worship songs and hear a message about Jesus. And uh, pray for the nations. It's a shameless plug for our prayer that we do every week at Mugwall, 7 a.m. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. East Asia, Greece, Tradewinds. These are our, um, as a college ministry, these are the partnerships that we've adopted, that we've said we're going to invest our resources and send students like you to these places. But every week at 7 a.m. Mugwalls, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursdays, you guys can come out and join us for prayer. We'd love to see you there. The next thing you can do is give. Give your money, give your resources to the cause of Christ, to the spread of the gospel in the nations. The fact of the matter is, and I've been in your shoes, as college students, you think you're broke, right? No matter how broke you are, you're far wealthier than you realize. We are far wealthier than we realize as Americans, even as college students living in College Station. The problem usually doesn't boil down to how much or how little we have In America, the problem usually boils down to our own greed. 
our own greed. And I'm not pointing at the finger at, at anybody in here. I'm pointing at the finger at myself. We have far more than we need. We have far more than we even want at times. And, and yet we're, we, we're so greedy, myself included, with what God's given us. On a physical level, there is enough food produced worldwide to feed every single person on this globe twice a day. But still, half, over half of the world's population is malnourished and goes hungry. That's sad. That's tragic. And on a spiritual level, talk about a physical level, on a spiritual level, more than a third of the earth's entire population has never heard the gospel. That's tragic. And, and we think about, as Americans, we, we live in one of the most Christian societies among other believers in one of the most affluent nations on the earth. And we stand by and we watch a physically dying world and a spiritually dying world pass by us. And we hold tight to our cash and to our money while the world is, is dying. That's tragic, and we need to change that. And so I want to challenge you this morning. Think of ways that you can give up just a little bit a week. I mean, if you think about it, many of us go to Starbucks or another coffee shop two, three times a week, and it's nothing for us to drop four bucks on a drink, is it? It's nothing for us. What if we just gave up one drink a week, and we said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to set this aside, and I'm going to give it to what God's doing in the nations. I mean, that adds up, doesn't it? That's almost $20 a week. If you set that aside, four to five bucks a week, that's $20 right there. And I know there are other ways that we could do that. I want to challenge us. Set aside some of our money for the sake of the gospel. And then finally, I want to encourage you to go. Encourage all of us to go, to get out there, to be a part of sharing the gospel here in America, but then but then let's look outwardly to the ends of the earth and let's share the gospel with people who've never even heard the name of Jesus or never heard the good news that they can have life in his name. For those of us who are believers, all we have to do is make ourselves available to that. And guys, as college students, you are in a unique position where you're never gonna have the time like you have right now to give up a few weeks during the summer to go somewhere across the world and share the good news of Christ. I want to challenge every single person sitting here at some point in your college career, give up a few weeks of your summer. Give up a spring break or there are trips uh, that happen uh, even over your winter break. Give up a little bit of time and just go be a part. See it in action. Experience firsthand what it's like to be out there sharing the gospel with people who've never heard There is nothing like it. And even if you don't think that the rest of your life is going to be spent as an overseas missionary, there is no better way to find out more about God's heart for the nations than to actually be out there in the nations doing this. It's going to help you pray more as you come back. It's going to inspire you to give more as you come back. And, and for some of you, I know I've talked with many of you even here that are in this room today. I see some of you. You got the bug on a summer project and now you're going, I want to do this for the rest of my life. That was amazing. All right, so I want to encourage you, give up some of your time in college 
Um, I want to tell you a little bit about what Grace does as a church, what we do here in the college ministry. Uh, we send summer projects and stint trips, okay? Our summer projects are just five-week mission trips that happened at the end of May through early July so that you're back in time for your second summer session. And then stint are our one- to two-year mission trips, usually August through June. And uh, we uh, offer these in three different locations. Like I said, Tradewinds, East Asia, and Greece. And I just want to share a little bit briefly with you about each of these locations. Our Tradewinds location is a Muslim context ministry. It's in a region of the world that if you're following it all on the news internationally in the Muslim world, there, there is all kinds of social, political changes going on. The Muslim world is changing rapidly. And in this particular location that we go to, it is just ripe for the gospel. I mean, people are hungry and they're asking questions as their government is, is, uh, is changing and crumbling in some places. They're asking questions like, what is my hope in this world? Is it in governments or is it in something else? They're asking questions like, what am I living for? I, I, I've seen... People in the Muslim world, they've watched friends die. They've watched friends get caught up in this political upheaval and unrest. And, and, and they've gone, what am I living for? I see so many people living for this. What am I living for? What a great opportunity that we have to go in and tell them about Jesus and the hope of the gospel. It's ripe in, in our trade winds location. And, uh, I know for me personally, going over there, I think one of the challenges as we think about going into a culture on the other side of the world, we go, man, that sounds really hard. How am I going to meet people? Guys, when I, the first time I flew into trade winds, before the plane landed, I had met a person there. <laughs> I'd met a tradeswindsian, if you will. And, um, and I'm sitting next to him and he, he, he's talking to me and he goes, can I give you my phone number? Because I want, to, I want to touch base with you. I want you to come over to my house and cook a meal for you. And I want to show you around just so you can see what our culture's like. That was before the plane even landed. The next day, I'm walking through the marketplace, and, and this guy comes up to me, and he goes, do you speak English? I'm like, yeah, I, yeah, I do. I'm as white as they get. And I, 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 look, I look American. I speak great American English. Barely. And... Um, and, and he, he says, here's my phone number. I want to meet with you. I want to practice my English with you. It is so easy, almost effortlessly in some of these places to meet people. It's that way in East Asia as well. It's so easy to meet people. Uh, I've been over there and, and found myself in many occasions as have pretty much all of our people who've gone on summer project or stint. You'll find yourself in many occasions surrounded by a group of Asians who want to get their picture taken with you. You kind of feel like a movie star. If you want to boost your ego, man, go to East Asia. It's awesome. Just people taking pictures with you constantly. You're like, yeah, here I am. I'm holding up that peace sign a lot in these pictures. So, uh, um, but guys, God has been at work for a long time in East Asia. There are thousands coming to Christ in this region of the world. And it's so fun to watch that happen. It's so fun to see the way God is, is moving there. And in fact, 
Statistics would show that in this particular area of the world, it's estimated that they are going to be the highest missionary sending region of the world. They're going to outdo American Christians, all right? And yet there are still billions in this region of the world in East Asia that, that need to hear the gospel. What an exciting time to be a part of what's got, what God's doing there. One of, my, one of my favorite stories in East Asia is, a, is about a guy named Ben. He, he's a national. We can't say his name here because it's a closed country. But Ben was reached by some people on Summer Project years ago. They shared the gospel with him and his eyes were open and he believed. And, and Ben grew in his faith, followed Jesus wholeheartedly. And what's crazy is now Ben is overseeing the region that we travel to. And he is raising up believers and he is now sending believers to other areas of the world that we as Americans will never be able to get into simply because we're Americans. Here's a believer that was reached on a summer project that is doing all this for the sake of Christ. And I think a lot of us look at this and we go, what can really be accomplished in a five-week short-term trip? Well, that's a lot. That's quite an accomplishment that God could use a guy like that to spread the gospel to places that we can't get to. And then finally, uh, I want to talk about our Greece location. We travel um, to the city of Yanina. I am not saying it correctly. I don't think I will be, ever be able to say that word correctly. Um, but Yanina is a lot like College Station. There are probably 20,000 college students there. And, and so the ratio of college students to the rest of the population, the, the you know, families and other people that live there, is a lot like College Station. The population is greatly made up of college students. But unlike College Station... It is like one of the prettiest cities you've ever seen. And, and it's set on this really cool lake right in the middle of the mountains of Greece. All right? It sounds like I'm over-romanticizing it, but it really is beautiful. I went there like this uh, last summer, and it was just amazing. I love that city. I love that place. And uh, Greece, while it, most people there would call them Orthodox Christians, uh, most of the students that you're going to meet there are atheists. And they'll tell you that. I don't believe in God. That was for my grandparents. I'm orthodox, but just because that's been passed down for my family. And so there is a huge need in Greece. And in a post-Christian society like Greece, I mean, we all know like Paul's connections with Greece. And, and uh, in the Bible, it was, there was a huge center for Christianity there, but it's changed rapidly. And in a post-Christian society, that's one of the hardest places to share the gospel. The soil is really rocky. And we're just starting to see some of the seeds that have plant, been planted there over the last several years come to fruition. Even just a couple of weeks ago, I'm really excited to share this story with you. Even just a couple of weeks ago, we had a guy and a girl that our sinners had been meeting with that uh, trusted Christ, which is huge in that culture. That's huge. That's a huge victory as our team celebrated God's victory in them. One of the girls that, that believed just a couple weeks ago, just about a year ago, when she was first approached about the gospel of Jesus Christ, um, she responded and just said, you know, if, if I believed that there was a God, if I believed that th- what you're saying is true, 
I would follow him with everything. I would follow him with everything, but I don't believe it. Praise God, a year later, she and another guy over there believed, and the Spirit is at work in them. They're starting to grow, and and they want to know Christ. They want to make him known. And so things are happening there, and it's exciting to be a part of. Um, I could sit here all day, and I could tell you all kinds of stories uh, that I've been, been able to hear and experience over the, over the years. But uh, I want to encourage you, if, if this at all interests you, if one of our projects to Trade Winds Greece or East Asia at all interests you, I want to challenge you, come out next week after the 11 o'clock service, and uh, you'll get some free pizza. And some people who've been over there on summer trips and some people who actually are uh, long-term missionaries over there who've come back, they just want to share with you some things that God's doing there. And they're open. If you want to ask more questions about it, this is a great time to do it. We'll also have a table in the back foyer. If you want to ask some more information or even just sign your name on a, on a sheet that says, hey, I want to get an email that, that, that has more info about this, then I want to challenge you guys to do that. Finally, uh, there's a way to get involved right here in College Station. There are lots of international students right here on our campus. And next Friday, November 16th at 7 o'clock, um, we're going to have a Thanksgiving potluck. And um, if you don't know any international students, this is a great way to meet some. And I guarantee you, you'll walk away with a new friend, all right? And what a great way just to meet people and, and start some relationships that could give you an opportunity to share the love of Christ. And as we close, I want to challenge all of us to ask ourselves some, some hard questions. First, let's ask ourselves, are we willing to give up our time to go on a short-term mission trip? Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to give up our money to help spread the gospel? And are we willing to commit to pray for the nations? One of the things I've loved as we've walked through the book of Acts this semester is that as we've seen the gospel move outwardly, each time it moves to a new group of people or to a new place, there is this sense of excitement and awe and wonder that the gospel is moving and that the believers get to be a part of that movement. There is so much excitement in the book of Acts. I want to ask us, how about us? How about you and me? As we hear the gospel moving out, as we see it moving out, does it excite us? And if not, why is that? Why, why don't we get excited about God's heart for the nations, about it, God's heart for mission, his gospel moving out? Is it our own desires, our own plans that get in the way? Is it our own fear? I want to challenge you as we close in worship today to just bring this before God. Pray to him. Ask him to give you a heart like his for the nations, for the world. And ask him to remove any barriers that might be keeping you from living a missional life. Let's worship together. Father, we thank you for what we just sang about. The truth of the gospel that Christ, the very light of the world, stepped down to serve the world that you created. And Father, I pray that as we rejoice in the rescue that we have received, that it would move us 
it would move us with, with your heart, your compassion toward the nations. God will never know the full cost of what it was like for our Savior to hang on that cross, not just with our sins, but the sins of the whole world, the weight of the world on his shoulders. Give us the same heart for the nations that motivated you to send your son to die for this world. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.